Welcome back to the Youth America's Future. I'm your host, Jesse Levitan. That still hasn't changed. And I have some just quick things that I want to cover before we get into the second part of the discussion I had with Jacob Shreyas. Number one, this is the 10th episode. And in light of the 10th episode, I have a change for the podcast. We will now be explicit. Yes, I know. It's, it's a really bright moment for us. No, but seriously, I just feel like, you know, the audience, you guys are old enough to handle uh, explicit content. And also, it's more authentic for me to just keep it in than for me to sort of mute it out. Now, secondly, before we get into the conversation, and before I recorded this podcast, I really had to decide what I would do in terms of what's going on in the country right now. I look, I mean, you see people being canceled or whatever, attacked for not saying anything, for saying something that doesn't agree with a certain message, for saying too much. It's like there's no winning here. And so all I'll say about it is the best way to handle individual racism is to hold people accountable. And so when you see someone being ignorant, making an ignorant statement, Hold that person accountable. Call them out on their nonsense. Okay, because that's the only way we are going to defeat and eradicate individual racism at a societal level. Yes, we could go into laws, we can go into policies, but really I'm not interested in that right now. That's for, that can be its own discussion. But my message for all of you before we get into this conversation is to hold people accountable. Accountability should be the word that we are all praising, that we all have on our walls that we all abide by because it is so ever important for us to hold those that are ignorant and, and stand complacent in the issues and hold them to hold them accountable. Look, you, it is up to us to call out our friends, to call out people who make ignorant comments and to make racist comments and bigoted comments and once we are able to do that, once we are able to hold people accountable, that will spread like wildfire because your friend that you were holding accountable, they're going to change their thought if you continue holding them accountable. And then eventually they will hold the other person accountable and it spreads. And look, this it spreads like wildfire. And look, this is not an immediate fix. There is no immediate fix to such deep-rooted racism in society in general uh, across the world but it's the start you know once we hold people accountable and once we don't turn a blind eye to ignorant comments remarks whatever you want to call it that's when you'll start to see change and i say start because not everything's going to change like a, in a snap of a finger but if we start that will spur a movement of change and a momentum to enact great change for the betterment of society. So that's all I have to say about that. And now, without further ado, here's the second part of the conversation with Jacob and Shreyas. I actually, let me give you some context. I haven't heard about this idea personally. I don't have no clue about it. And these are two of my good friends. Um, so Jacob and Shreyas, you guys have a new business idea. Tell us a little bit about it. Uh, whoever wants to take it away, okay, take first. it away. I want I want Jacob to talk about the idea itself because it was his idea, but I want to talk about the way in which he came to me about it. So I was in the car 
on my way to say, you know, one of those drive by happy birthdays, I was heading to um, the Herricks area for where there's some family friends there. We're going to drive by. I'm in the car Memorial day. Jacob FaceTimes me. He's playing basketball with his father. And he says, you know, there was a time in which Mark Zuckerberg sat in his dorm room <laughs> and he called in Eduardo Saverin with this fantastic idea. And together they became the youngest billionaires of the world. And I said, it's very bold of you to say, but how does this relate? And, uh, Jacob said, well, I, in this case, am Mark Zuckerberg and you would be Eduardo Saverin and I'm coming to you and we're going to do this thing. And I was like, all right, well, let's hear it. And see, see, he told the joke it to there me. Is I, I just watched the social network movie and that is, which I recommended to you. The worst. Yeah. And it's probably the worst example of, you know, someone coming to their friend with an idea <laughs> after their, you know, lawsuits and all those, uh, that yeah, sort I, of I haven't watched the movie, but I heard like he screwed him over or whatever. Oh yeah. Yeah. Completely he, obliterated yeah. this guy. I love the movie because I mean, it's, you know, Harvard life and just yeah. from an intellectual standpoint, the way of creating that idea and, business it really encompasses a lot of the things that i'm passionate about so i've watched it twice so far and it's and Aaron the second time mm-hmm. a, so i recommend it to jacob mm. yep and i think the acting was done well but yeah he was screwed over but i mean initially obviously like the idea came they worked together on it and they grew a lot both as people and the company so well it was it was mostly a joke but yeah because because the, the idea yeah. is much much smaller scale but uh just to <laughs> stop keeping you guys in, in suspense it's um so it's called gadget guide potentially subject to change to gadget guru or n- nana's nerds um, but those are kind of you know less likely but no we're, we're thinking <laughs> gadget gadget guide for now um yeah but yes yes so uh essentially during coronavirus we have had this new reality and and senior citizens the elderly they are the most susceptible population as we know and uh you know many devastating deaths they're all being isolated uh, quite necessarily and they have to communicate with their families. They have to use Zoom and email and stuff like that. But a lot of them have difficulty accessing that kind of technology. Um, and so uh, the idea immediately came about when my grandma was having problems using Zoom. And so I spent uh, three hours on FaceTime with her. And then we got into Zoom. And then I, I had this service called TeamViewer, which enabled me to go into her computer remotely and I could help her, um, you know, direct her to certain functions, do it with her, and help train her. And it was really helpful. Even though, and it, and and it wasn't very difficult. The content, it was just the patience necessary. And I thought this is a much needed service for many different elderly people who are isolated and vulnerable and want to connect with their families, but may not necessarily have the know-how because you know technology has, in many ways, not been as as you know easily learned and as ingrained in the lives of the, this generation so that, that's essentially the idea is we are going to partner up we're going to connect with older people install this software that helps us you know see what they're seeing and helps us train them and guide them hence the name and yeah and and for now it's a free program and it's uh, we're doing this kind of beta test version where we've sent it out to a few of our elderly connections, uh, of course, my grandma and her friends, and so uh, we're going to see how it works, and it's very exciting, and and hopefully uh, we can at some point scale it up, expand, go to you know we don't have any expertise on Samsungs or other types of phones, we just kind of are bringing our Apple PC and Mac experience, so we'll see where that takes us, but we're very excited. How do you, so the software that you use to access uh, 
um, like the other per the remote desktop essentially. You can do that on with uh, iPhone. Uh, so that's yeah, yes. So, so yes, right. Take it away. So we we were doing test runs. I you know I tested Jacob and Jacob tested me on it. You can do it on iPhone. The issue is then that I can view Jacob's phone, but he has to control it. But on computer, it's completely seamless. Like it's in real time. There's no lag, and I can even control their computer. So they can just sit back, and I can say, do you like you know? Do you see what I'm clicking right now? Well, that's what this this is like. You know, this is the function of this, and then I can zoom out and say, well, here's where this goes, and things like that. So I I had no idea about it. Jacob brought it to me, and I thought it was extremely useful. But you know, just for like context of, I think Jacob did a really good job of explaining why we're doing it. But I just want to expand on it and say, like, we're really trying to bank off of the idea that because I know all of us have experienced that we're teenagers. You know, we're going out, but even so, life during quarantine is not what we want it to be. But it's what's happening, and that's the realization we have to have. And I think we've done that, but it's difficult. You know, there's emotional distress to some degree for everybody, some more than others. And dealing with that is difficult because, you know, you can reach out, but there's only so much you can communicate over FaceTime and things like that. And, you know, that personal connection is something that's like an evolutionary need of human beings. We need to see each other and be social. We are social animals. So, you know, when I, when Jacob brought me the idea, I was like, wow. Cause you know, when you think about the elderly community and how it's affecting them, they have to be so careful in everything that they do. They're honestly, they're probably not going outside very much at all. They're confined to their homes. They're not seeing anybody. And on top of that, they don't have the ability to communicate because they have not learned how to use those tools. So I think there's an imminent need for those um, things to be put in place for them. And I think they're extremely eager to learn them because my point and perspective on it is they want to communicate with their families. They want to see their kids. They want to see their grandkids and giving them the tool of zoom without even delving deeply into like the other services that we're going to offer just zoom itself and being able to see your kid's face for the first time in three months and their face light up and say, hi, grandma, hi, grandpa, I think is going to be crucial to them. And it's something that's going to bring them extreme joy. And I look forward to doing it. Yeah, it's awesome. Um, I personally, you know, with my grandma, she's in a nursing home. So, uh, her zoom is set up. We zoom, we have zoom calls with her pretty much every, pretty much every week. Um, and you know, for, I know that she is not capable of doing it by herself. Um, she does not have the expertise. Look, she, she is just not educated on technology really. Now for her, it's different because she is in a nursing home. So, you have an aide in that sets up the Zoom with um, my father and his brother. But for elderly individuals that live, al- uh, not necessarily alone, but are not in a nursing home um, and are just out and about, they definitely could use this service. And I'm glad you guys are doing this. This sounds really awesome. And I hope your test runs and beta trials go well. Because I definitely see this uh, scaling out um, and bringing on more people that are technologically adept to help out with um, this cause. Because again, I think as we talk about reopening, it is different when it comes to not only the elderly, but immunocompromised in general. You know, when we talk about, and you know, this is something to keep in mind, people that are not technologically uh, adept does not necessarily mean they're in their 80s. I mean, they could be middle-aged and not ha- know how to, how to use Zoom 
or not know how to use whatever platform you're using. So there's a large, large, large demographic that will that uh, that should be your target demographic, and it it's has millions of people. Um, depending on how large you want to take this, and depending on how sustainable the scalability is. Um, but you know, I, I'm glad you guys are putting in the work, and I wish you guys the best. Yeah, for sure. And uh, just to be clear, your Thank entire you. audience is under NDA, of course. Uh, just to clarify, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no. Uh, uh, no, no, of course not. But yeah. but yes, um, and and just to add one more cool thing that we're we're excited to do is it goes far beyond Zoom, and um, we're going to yep. start with those basic functions. Uh, we we have this little email we we sent out, so we we're, we're starting with. You know, Zoom, FaceTime, texts, emails, online purchases, photos, browsing, stuff like that. But eventually, we're going to try and also implement in these sessions, hey, um, you know, these things are important, but, but, but the Internet isn't just for these basic bare minimum functions. You can use this to improve your quality of life outside of the coronavirus or even within it. Um, for example, things like that they wouldn't even think of, like Spotify, that, that can have them access to fantastic podcast like this one and and Thank you. music services oh, of course and um and they can interact with their friends and and you know using google drive maybe there's just there's just a variety of functions that the internet has to offer that can be extremely valuable and even life-saving because um i was talking to my uncle who is a doctor and um you know a jewish family and and so he was telling <laughs> us about <laughs> yeah so he, he was telling us, us about the these uh, ehrs these electronic health oh, yeah. records mm -hmm. that senior citizens often have trouble accessing and it has crucial information their patient profile should be available to them at a click of a button but they just don't know how to do it and so that's something that's very simple and we could help teach them how to access that app and and that's just one example, you know, the internet, having a better understanding of the internet and the services that connect us as a society is crucial. And it's a, it's a really big benefit in our life. It's, it's helped me develop my personality and, and learn to grow in this world with, you know, the many movies and TV shows that I'm obsessed with. Like, I'm sure they wouldn't have access to the streaming services that, that, that I can, you know, muscle up in the realms of the internet. You know, there's just many things that they can just they can have access to that they just don't right now, and that's very exciting. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, I'm look, I'm I'm really proud of, and and definitely I would, I think also you have such a leg up in that there is you there's so much research that lends to and and I know you know you were talking about the other aspects of the internet, just keeping the mind engaged, you know, as we get older and, uh, th there's a lot of clinical studies that have proven this as we get older, you're more susceptible to, you know, uh, cognitive decline, um, and mental decline, such as, you know, forms of dementia what? And, and other things like that, <laughs> other things like Stop that. It. but, but a way in which, in which we, you know, counter those effects is continuously engaging our brains in activities. You know, that's why you have, um, like, you know, the stereotype of an old person playing bingo. Why? It's mentally stimulating. Yeah. So, right, and they can't they can't do that during coronavirus. Oh wait, they can on the internet, and that's when we're excited to show them <laughs> an online bridge and and spades and cards and and yeah. Catan, of course. Just yeah. No. Fun no. online games. No, but yeah. So there, I mean, you guys have something. What's the? You have a golden egg here. So just run with it, 
and expand it to the different avenues in which you want to take it. You have so many uh, uses for this platform. It's truly amazing and the opportunity is humongous. So congratulations. Thank you. Of course. Thank you very much. Of course. All right. I don't want to forget anything. First of all, you know, you have viewers. We understand that. So in the event that there is somebody listening who thinks, you know, oh, I want to be able to talk to my grandparents a bit more, things like that. Reach out to us. We can send you our emails. If you just leave a review, hopefully Jesse will show us that and we can see anybody who has that need. Um, what I'll do, what mention, I'll, oh, sorry, you know what? I'll let you finish and then I'll go. No, no, it's fine. Okay. I don't well, want you to forget. What I'll say is I want to make sure we like describe everything that we're going to be doing. So I think us as you know teenagers, we take for granted the vast knowledge of technology and the way it functions. So like just simple things is like how to utilize your keyboard and how to increase volume and decrease it. I'm sure we all, some of us have grandparents who just don't know those simple things, how to make your screen brighter. We're going to be teaching them those things. And like we said, we're not, you know, asking for some high premium. The first, we're going to be free. So addition to that is the fact that we're going to have showing them, uh, you know, how to organize their documents and a lot of the, that age group, you know, they may want to write down things that occurred in their life, write a memoir of some sort. You know, we can show them Google Docs for that, and then they can organize those documents in their drive. And, you know, they may want to keep be updated on what's occurring in the world, you know, the news, which we talked about earlier in this podcast. But they can, you know, go on the news app, look at their favorite sources and tabloids, things like that. And then, like Jacob said, figuring out music, because we all know that Spotify has access to almost every song this world has ever seen. So you can listen to practically anything you want, organize those playlists. And so, yeah, like it extends to more advanced functions as well. There really is no limit to what we could teach them. And I think they will, it's something that that age group will find extremely beneficial to them. And I'm sure they're eager to um, find those things out. So I encourage those of you who are listening right now, if you feel like you, it's your grandparents or somebody else's who could benefit from this, please reach out. We're more than welcoming to helping them out. So Thank you. Um, you guys don't have a website yet, right? We're working on it. Um, okay. That will be launched soon. So we can give them that. But if somebody does happen to write a review on this video and say, yeah, you know, I would like it, um, I'll send Jesse. You can either call us or email us and we'll set that up. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to link, as always, I always link the, my guests' Instagram pages on uh, in the show notes. So that's where you can find it. Now, for, I know for Spotify is wonky because the show notes always come out odd. But if you go on Apple Podcasts and I, I think Google Podcasts, I'm not really sure. I have an iPhone, so I don't really know. But those platforms should be good in terms of clickable links. Um, so what's going? Yeah, I'll have Jacobs and Shreyas's, um Instagrams, and you can DM them uh, for information, or you can email us, at, uh, or you know go to our website, email us. And I could refer you to Shreyas or Jacob that way as well. But definitely take advantage of this opportunity. If, if you have someone that you know is that needs uh, technological help and you think, you know, there's a lot of positives with this. And again, it is free and take advantage of it in this beta stage. It is free. I'm sh- uh, I can't speak for them, but it would only make sense if it doesn't last. You know, not everything is free forever. So at th- some point, they're going to have to monetize this service as they expand and as time you know becomes more valuable um, and they really have to choose, you know, what clients are going to uh, actually help. Um, but take advantage of this opportunity right now. It's just starting out right now. And um, yeah, so again, 
It'll be link in the show notes. If your platform does not have clickable links, email us at our website. There's an email button and um, you'll email us and I'll forward your information and I'll connect you to either Jacob or Shreves or both of them. Alrighty. With that being said, let's move on to completely something different. Um, I want to talk about comedy. Comedy's awesome. Everyone, oh, yeah. appre- everyone, everyone appreciates a good laugh. And one of my favorite shows and one of Jacob's favorite shows who got me on the show is The Office. The Office is fantastic. Jacob has seen it multiple mm-hmm. times. And I, when I mean multiple times, I don't mean like an episode of multiple times. I mean the entirety of the show multiple times. Yes, quite the understatement, actually. Uh, probably. <laughs> Some episodes upwards of five times. It's great. Wow. Fantastic. How, wh- do you know when it came out? 2005. Of course he knows. So 2005. So with that being said, we're in 2020 now, obviously. Um, it's interesting how, how comedy has evolved into something that's losing the affect of what comedy was. Yeah. So I want, I want to ask you, um, and I'm sure Jacob has a lot to speak on this because, look, you... you you know, this is something that you're really um, passionate about, uh, for, uh, you know, to my knowledge, and you're really informed about is the change in comedy and the evolution of that. Um, and in my opinion, which is negative, some people might see as positive. Again, it's my take. Um, but, you know, I want to hear from you, Jacob, and then Shreyas, um, how the how, how comedy has changed and what's acceptable in and what could get you, you know, quote unquote, canceled. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's it's an issue that's becoming more and more prevalent, and you and you you hit the nail on the head. I, I'm a big fan of comedy. Uh, Norm Macdonald would be my favorite comedian. If you guys got a second, look him up. He's fantastic. Uh, but yeah, every single one of them, they've had to either address this change or or change their own performances because of just society changing. And it's it's this this cancel culture age it's you you can't say this word or that word you can't put that in your in your performance you just can't people are just gonna just gonna spread it like wildfire that that you are not to be listened to anymore and it's at some places it's much needed you know of course there there are some instances where cancel culture has you know translated to something incredibly successful and and it's not exactly the same but the, the me too movement there were wonderful wonderful changes that came about because of it but at the same time this is a a slightly separate but related uh issue that has caused a lot of unneeded changes in the comedy uh in in comedy in general for for example um many comedians have come out and, and and added jokes in their material about being a comedian in 2020 or 2019 or whenever they made it i know i was watching something from john mulaney and he was talking to his wife, and he's like, oh, God, honey, I have some terrible news. And immediately her mind went to, oh, my God, it's 2020. You're, 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 you're being canceled. You, what did you do in, like 15 years ago? What did you, what did you, what did you tweet out? You know, so these things are coming back to bite them. And some cases it's needed. Most cases, in my opinion, it's not. And, and people just have to use this soft language, as George Carlin said, uh, you know, everything – gets gets doled down as we become more and more sensitive as a society as a culture and eventually we we can't call things what they are 
we have to da- use our language to dance around the cold, hard realities that people are just too sometimes sheltered to uh, experience just, um, you know, the way that they used to be able to, to say. And um, yeah, that, that's actually a bit by George Carlin that is uh, very, and it's from a long time ago. So this is by no means a new issue, but it's, it's as the, the ages go on, words become less and less what they mean. Well, on the point of George Carlin, you know, the late, great George Carlin, I have, I, he's a comedian that I enjoy listening to a lot. Actually, my brother was the one who introduced me to him. Funny, interestingly enough, cause he's, you know, he is younger than me, but I'm not sure many people know this, but he voiced Zugor in Tarzan too. It's not a movie. I don't think a lot of people know of, but that was a great movie. Um, but it's my favorite movie. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that's just a movie I've watched hundreds of times throughout my childhood. So He's somebody that I've listened to quite a bit in my life. And just like in terms of cancel culture, like I think as opposed to a lot of people, it's not something that I was aware of until like a couple of weeks ago. Like I was well aware that, you know, things do get dug up from the past and people get in trouble for things they have said or done. But the actual term of being canceled is not something that I had heard until a few weeks ago with, you know, these TikTok stars saying things or doing things in like lives or certain videos and then suddenly their followers just commenting canceled on their posts. So it's interesting to see. I, I think though, whether or not that what the person did was wrong, I think people are very quick to immediately say, let's cancel them. Even given that they understand the context of what happened, you know, regardless of what the person did, they say, let's just cancel them no matter what. And I don't know if that, achieves what the people want like you want people to not be saying those things like let's say let's we take into consideration that and we're okay with okay we don't want people saying these things even if we're okay with that which is something people are still getting acclimated to it's difficult then to say okay as soon as somebody says anything we need to cancel them i don't know if that's the way you should go about it if you want those things to stop being said instead i think you should hold them accountable but i don't think wiping them off the face of the planet is necessarily the proper way to go about it if what you're really trying to do is ensure that those things aren't said anymore or aren't done right and, and it and also uh sometimes it's not even they said something wrong and we're just not going to give them a second chance sometimes it's just you know very blatant oversensitivity shock shock jokes turned into horrible horrible things that they just simply weren't and um like I know most recently, I, I'm not sure if this is the instance that you were referring to that that got you to know what you know the the genuine like hashtag cancel. Like I know there was I, I forgot the names exactly. It was like Lana Del Rey and Doja Doja Cat. Don't judge me for not being uh, <laughs> yeah, I think you, right. you know Doja Cat. Oh yes, um, and and it was just like these situations, regardless of what you think of them, just uh, time after time, these people are being tried in the court of public opinion. And just immediately their their careers are ended. And um, it's because, you know, it, it, things are sometimes taken out of context. And, of course, it's an oversimplification. There are, there are many sides to every issue, but just something to take into consideration. People just just are their, – their lives are just destroyed. And information spreads like wildfire. Things are, are said over and over again. And people are just they, – they, they even just forget. It's just over and over again. It's just trolls on Twitter – 
can't wait to jump on the latest cancellation. And it's, it's a little, it, it's like, come on already, you know, don't you have something else to do with you? Like, if you, if you don't like it, you know, like free speech for a reason in certain circumstances should just be, okay, whatever. This doesn't concern me, you know? Yeah. Um, are you aware of what happened with um, Jimmy, Jimmy Fallon with Blackface? Yep. With Chris Rock? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. I don't. I don't really know much about it. Can you speak upon that? All right. So this is what I'm aware of. I saw a few posts on Instagram a couple of days ago. I think. So you know, obviously we know that Jimmy Fallon was on SNL some time ago. I don't know if he still is or anything, but no, like, no, no. he it was, was. Like twenty years ago. Yeah. Right. So it was quite some time ago. So yeah. it's not even a thing that's like specific to Jimmy Fallon. SNL has been known to use blackface in the past, and it just so happened that they instructed Jimmy Fallon to say. It may have been his choice. It may have been them instructing him a combination of the two, but he imitated Chris Rock by utilizing blackface, and that's something that you know we're not considering as to be politically correct anymore, and it shouldn't be because you know it's just not something that I don't think that we should be doing. But he did, and he immediately apologized for it because, and that shows the awareness of the cancel culture. Like he knew that if he does not speak out and say I completely condemn what I did, I should not have done it. I'm sorry that he would have been canceled. And he has a very large platform, so I think it would be hard to take him down in the first place. But it shows that willingness. Like people are very aware that this is what's happening. And it's something that we have to come to terms with too. But he put on blackface in those SNL episodes. And like you said, it was over 20 years ago. And he wasn't the only one either. There was many people. It's just that Jimmy Fallon is somebody that's prominent now that we can look back at and say, oh, well, he's somebody that did it. The other people that did it, we may not even know the names of. So people were immediately pointing at him and saying, why'd you do this? And he came out and just said, look, I'm sorry, I did it. I should not have. Um, it'll never happen again. And very quickly put a stop to that. So that's essentially what happened. Now let's let's zoom out and um, realize, you know, I, here's my take. It's that what we're seeing in comedy is simply a microcosm of what's going on in today's society with, uh, with, you know, um, just offensive language, a new words, offensive, you know, that was never offensive before. And as a society, we do adapt and we do adjust, but this all has to do with, you know, this quote unquote soft language, political correctness, whatever you want to call it. Do you guys think this is, a net, um, a net negative or a net positive to society? Well, it's difficult to say because, you know, as much as I like to, to rag on the oversensitive people who, who immediately just, you know, they, they take down these celebrities and they get offended so easily, there are very good examples of when this has been a good thing. And I think that because it connects to the Me Too era, um, and, uh, just how I think overwhelmingly that was a net positive and, and just how similar they are, like, because it, it, it goes so well together. Like Louis CK used to be one of my favorite comedians and he was, uh, one of the, the me too accused, uh, comedians and he lost all of his notoriety after some very disturbing and weird allegations about, uh, we don't need to go into the details, but, um, and and that and th- in that instance, his comedy wasn't shut down because of the language he used. It was shut down because of his actions. 
And so it's the same mechanisms by which people are crucifying public figures for the things that they've said that they're that they're holding them accountable for some of the things that they did. And so that is a good thing, in my opinion. But people need to be, you know, more more balanced and, and more just, you know, go with the flow a little bit. And and it's a judgment call and it's a personal a personal issue. If if you're offended by something, for sure, speak out about it and go ahead and, and give your thoughts. But when we all rally together as a society and and highlight these, you know, th- these career-ending uh, comments a- a- from tweets that were dug up from years and years and years ago, and people's careers are ended. That that can, depending on the situation, of course, that usually is not the right move, in my opinion. I think that we need some sort of balanced approach to these kinds of situations. And uh, uh, unfortunately, we're not there yet. I think we're, we're still, the pendulum is spinning. And once we find some sort of middle ground, I, I have faith that we can turn this into a net bent positive and people can be held accountable for some really bad things that people do say. They do some terrible things and they get away with them. And if we can use this as a, as a solution to get them to not do it, that's a, that's a good thing. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, Trace, you want to add? Well, I mean, what I was going to say is that, like, you wanted to zoom out, right? So what I'm saying is, in the moment right now, there are definitely people who are saying, you know, this cancel culture is beneficial. There are people, you know, if somebody's arguing with what you're saying, then you must be doing something wrong. And whether that mindset is correct or not, some people believe those things. And I think to truly understand the impact that this is going to have, if you look towards the future, I'm sure everybody's seen these jokes where you know, there's memes on Instagram and they say, there's going to be a point in time where nobody can say anything without somebody getting mad. And, you know, I, is that a, like, genuinely ask yourself, is that a society you, you want to live in where there is nobody making any jokes or people are, have the freedom to say anything? Because then also understand the oppression that you're trying to shine light on by br- bringing about cancel culture. There's going to be a sense of oppression in the future then as well because people do not have a platform to speak on because they feel that they're going to be canceled if they say anything. So then the entirety of the human population will be feeling oppressed in a sense that they can't say anything without the fear of, oh, somebody's going to say something and I could potentially be canceled, for lack of a better term. But I think when you look at it that way, it's easy to see that like the course of action that we're taking right now may not necessarily be the best one. And like Jacob was saying, I think it can definitely turn into a net positive, but on the way, the trajectory that we're on at this moment, I don't think it's going to turn out that way because it's going to come to a point in time where we could be like, if this podcast in the future, the things that we've talked about thus far, even though we're not necessarily connecting our personal opinions to deeply like deep issues that people are very passionate about we could have been canceled just for this podcast if it occurred a few years in the future because of the way that the trajectory that this, you know, cancel culture is taking. And I think the people listening to this podcast, they're listening to it. If they're this far in the episode, they're clearly enjoying it. So I don't see the, like where that need comes in for let's cancel it because at this moment now you're enjoying this podcast. There's definitely people who see this net podcast as a benefit and you know, it could be even more than that. It may genuinely be helping them through tough times and listening to us laugh and discuss things and politics, business, whatever we're talking about. But like, understand that if people aren't talking about negative things at all, they're also not talking about the positive things that we do. Something to keep in mind as well as we move with this cancel culture in the future. 
and it it even comes back to you you brought up the office and and it's like these these cherished kind of shows that we we well me i of course we love her um and looking back at them now there's jokes there that just wouldn't be acceptable today and and it's very hard to 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 look at that and and see that like something that we used to be okay laughing at and now we just can't and is that the right approach? It's very difficult to say. And it's and you know even Friends, people love Friends, and you know they spend nine seasons, ten seasons. Is it? Uh, yes, we do. Fat shaming <laughs> Monica, and they say that there's homophobia in the jokes between Joey and Chandler. Like these things just come out, and and that wasn't an issue then, but it's an issue now. And so, <sighs> in some ways, you're being sensitive to things that people care about. In other ways, you're you're censoring humor that that it's come on, it's a joke. So it's very difficult to say. Yeah, I um, it, it is, and I think you know there are. Look, it, it's 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 there's a difference between, um, between, like. I guess what I'm trying to say is respect is a good thing. Be respectful to people's wishes. If if someone at you know, this is more on a on a individual basis and you know, a one to one or whatever. Um, you know, if someone doesn't like being called a certain name or a certain term or doesn't like that use, be respectful in that in your usage, right? I think that you know it it boils down to mutual respect. Mutual respect excuse me, respect is very important. But I think when we when we look at it on a broad scale to cancel um and quite frankly ruin the livelihood of a I'm uh, I'm not even going to say celebrity I'm just going to say a person because uh, they may not be a celebrity per se but to have their livelihood destroyed over something they said 20 years ago when society at the time was didn't have a problem with it that, that, that is dangerous in my opinion and what we were talking about in terms of and Atreus you talked about this and Jacob you touched upon this is with the perception of oppression and how these people that are being silenced it's going to be a huge issue and if not already it is because you're going to have censoring of people for completely arbitrary reasons without really a logical and coherent reason why and when you're able to just can't you know i'm tired of using that word when you're just tired to you know de-platform we'll we'll use that term uh de-platform someone because uh they had a slip up or whatever or they said something look it's the question of where do we draw the line and how far this will how far this will go i mean what is the limit what, what to what extent will this occur what well you know uh, will the whole English vocabulary be completely torn apart? Who knows? So I think this will be an ongoing issue for years to come, for decades to come, and it is incredibly important that everyone takes note of that and understands the different um, repercussions as a result of what is going on. Um, any final words about that topic? Well, just, I mean, I definitely agree that it is a slippery slope. You know, we, we, as we go in this direction, if we, if we okay this, then is there an end point or even not an end point where it's just censorship? You know, the, the court of public opinion can decide what's okay 
then, okay, maybe this isn't okay. So maybe you just can't have this opinion. We're just not going to allow, you know, what we see as legitimate beliefs, we're just not going to allow that because that offends me, you know? And then it, it's like that's, that's one of the fundamental American fears of censorship, and, and that's why we have the First Amendment. And, it's, and when, we, when we start on this quest of, okay, no one can say anything that offends anyone in any way, it really is very limiting, you know? I, I, my my dad likes to say, um, you know, the comedy is offensive. You know, it, it just is. Like, it, there's there's lots and lots of. I mean, of course, there are ways to make a joke that won't offend people. But you know, as long as something is really really funny, then it's okay that it's a little bit offensive. You know, that's just that's something that we can be okay with ourselves for enjoying once in a while. And if we're not, it, I I do worry. Like, where does it end? Yeah, and honestly, to these people, then don't listen to comedy. Uh, take it upon yourself to just not listen. Like, uh, look, what you might find—it's also relative. What one may find offensive, another person might not. I think when it comes to hateful and aggressive language, okay, I understand that. But saying a term that one finds sort of offensive. And then to the vast majority of people, not offensive. And then to take this person down with a a small minority like that. I don't know. I don't know if that, I don't know if that's really right in this sense. Uh, Of course, it needs to be taken on a case by case basis. There really is no set line, at least at this point. But we'll just have to see as, you know, as time unfolds. Um. So, final topic of the show. Hold on, hold on. Oh, okay. <laughs> One final thing I do want to touch upon, and I'm sorry for interrupting, but... No worries. Like, we brought it up with the friends in the office, right? You know, yeah. the shows have ended now since, and they're in the past, but when that censorship does happen, and obviously we're on a trajectory where it's going to be increasing, and we understand that, and we're discussing where is that line going to be drawn, people need to understand that you may find it more pleasing to you that it is censored and now certain things that bothered you are no longer being said, but then you have to, with that negative aspect being taken out, there's a certain positive aspect being taken out because for everything, every, you know, one thing that's negative that's taken out, there's something positive that could have improved somebody's life also being taken out. So for example, if, you know, you had canceled friends, let's say friends was happening now when it was just completely canceled by the media and society for having these homophobic jokes, you're also then taking out the lives that were improved from friends existing. I know personally friends had a tremendous impact on my life and it brought me extreme joy specifically in freshman year where I felt like, you know, I was dealing with things and I felt that I could go home and just watch this show even for 15 minutes and I could just smile if nothing else exciting happened that day. And you're taking that out of people's lives. So for everything that you're taking out that you don't want somebody saying, you're also taking out, you know, you may be pleased because that negative thing didn't happen, but somebody else across the street, their life becomes a little bit worse because that one positive thing was taken out. And it's a give and take situation. So you have to understand that as well when you're drawing that line. Oh, wow. That's a really good take. I didn't even think about that. Um, Yeah. I mean, that's 100% correct. That's a really good way of looking at it, especially for... I feel like that's a really good way of convincing people that there, not necessarily that there needs to be a line drawn because the question is, what is that line? But just to be cautious as we go on this journey of canceling whatever someone finds offensive and 
um, what deems offensive language. So, and, and again, you know, how that plays into freedom of speech. You know, you, everyone has the right to not listen to something. Everyone has the right to not be so sensitive. Uh, everyone has the right to perceive events in which they may want to perceive it. As long as there's no call to as long as there's no call to action to violence or hateful language, then then it's fine. Um, that let me, let me take that back. It's not necessarily fine, but I think for the for the, <laughs> for the most part, I mean, yes, there's a there's a, of course certain words and phrases that should not be stated, but um, I think that you know. Uh, again, there's going to be a line that needs to be drawn some somewhere. Whether that's um, maybe not a fixed line, that's up to society, I guess. But again, every, you know, if you don't like something, just don't listen to it and learn how to not. Honestly, learn how to not give a shit. That's really my best advice. Learn to not give a shit about what other people think about you, what other people say about you, or your community, or your race, or who you are, or your identity. Because in the end, it doesn't matter what anyone else thinks. It matters what you think. So at the end of the day, just, okay, this person, you know, it just, honestly, if they say something that is deemed um, deemed offensive by even you, then you could just brush it off. Okay, I'm not listening to this person. This person's ignorant in your opinion, right? It, it just comes down to a more individual basis than saying, we need to destroy this person. All right, calm down, you know, but th- that's my take at least. It's more of how do, how, do, how do build up your character and your ability to block out the noise than to attack others for expressing their right to speak about certain things. Um, so final topic. That's definitely a good point. Thank you. No, because again, like when we we talk about this podcast and it's, it's about learning different values, learning different skills, learning just about a variety of topics. It's always about improving who you are as an individual. There's one thing you can control in life and that's yourself. You can't control your parents' decisions necessarily. You can't control what your mom does. That it, you can't control what your you know siblings do. You can't control what your friends do. You can't control what your boss does, but you can control who you do. You can't control who your what your wife does, your partner does, your husband does, whatever it is. You can control how you perceive events, how you perceive words, and how you act upon those, uh, how you react to certain events.